Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend in Fuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hello. Show's namesake BJ Shea is on assignment and running the boards is Joey D. Hey. Hi. On today's show, we will ask Dr. Dice and get your questions about tabletop RPGs answered, solved. I don't know. We'll figure something out. But we'll get those answers from Dr. Dice. We'll also talk trailers. There's a lot of stuff that uh, we're getting the previews for. I will talk about an excellent movie called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. And, of course, the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. It's going to have our blogs, podcasts, and more. <laughs> or, you know, just search BJ Shay's Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, and the Odyssey app to find us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I want to do something different. Okay, there you go. <laughs> There's a lot of ways to get a hold of us, so thank you so much. And also, if you want to get a hold of us and maybe ask Dr. Dice a question, mm-hmm. you can do so. Send us an email, just bjgeeknation at gmail.com. And just with the headline, just say, Ask Dr. Dice, and you can ask your questions. And, uh, well, let's get right into it. Tabletop RPGs can be fun for everyone involved, but sometimes a question will arise that you just can't answer. For those times, you need to call the experts. Trouble at the table? Need some advice? All you gotta do is ask Dr. Dice. And yes, we are back for another Ask Dr. Dice with our fantabulous DM. We've got Mr. Rob Whelan back. Rob, I'm very happy that you are back to um, uh, distribute some knowledge in the world of dungeon mastering and role-playing games. I am happy to be back. Uh, I I think that um, it's a a great opportunity here to help people because there are so many people who are getting into role-playing games and and, playing their first uh, Dungeons & Dragons game, uh, you know, to get them out on the right foot and hopefully get some, some... uh, great stories told with their their tables full of friends. And it's very exciting because we've gotten a lot of questions, and this was a very good one, too, because I feel that a lot of people, especially with all of the supplements and all the reading materials out there, that sometimes you'll get into that metagaming. And so the question is, how do you discourage metagaming? Uh, so um, metagaming is the idea that players using outside knowledge of uh, of things to um, uh, to to influence their play. So it it it's kind of like the the D and D version of counting cards. You're mm-hmm. um, you, you know somebody reads the monster manual and you throw a um, uh, uh, a monster, and they go, "Oh, this monster has, uh, you know, forty-seven hit points and has an attack bonus of plus three. It's also vulnerable to lightning attacks. So, uh, you know, Steve, go ahead and, and use thunderclap on it a bunch. And actually, that'd be th- a thunder attack. So, but either way, <laughs> it knows it, it knows its weaknesses. We target those weaknesses, and boom, game over. That's it. Blah. And um, I feel like." There, there are with this. Some of this is a a discussion to have with your players uh, at uh, session zero. 
Um, and and to kind of uh, it, some of it is setting expectations of, you know, how hard are we playing this, guys? Am I uh, are, are we are we playing, you know, just a fun narrative game? Do you want me to really challenge you with um, uh, attacks and things like that? You know, or is this or are we more more story oriented here? Because different groups have different expectations. Some groups really like that, like character optimization, you know, awesome build, uh, you know, every plus one counts kind of game. And some tables just want to sit around and, you know, tell stories and make Monty Python jokes and and, and, and all of that. <laughs> and there's nothing so, wrong with that either. No, uh, the, the, it's okay to have, it's okay to have different play styles, but the key is to make sure that you all understand that you have uh, those play styles. Like, and that's where I think the, this concept of session zero is important because it's a chance for you to talk seriously about pretending to be an elf. Um, <laughs> and we want you, you want that to happen because so many of the these issues that that we see, that I see, that 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 inspired us to to pull this segment together break down along the lines of people don't want to talk to each other clearly outside of their game um and that's when you start to see those recriminations of like well you did this thing in this in game didn't like so i'm gonna punish you in kind in the game and then you're going to react to that jerk move and then I'm going to react to your reaction and that's going to blow up the game. And those behaviors are what cause players to start doing bad things in other games too because they've had yeah. a jerk uh dungeon master in the past who you know was very picky and specific. Uh that's when they join a new game, they have those same expectations and that and they roll forward and 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 damage the next game. Um, so having, you know, talk about, talk to your players about, you know, is it okay for me to know, uh, am I playing like I know this stuff? You know, are, are we clear about this? I think that's one step. Um, I think another step, uh, an, an additional option here as well is let that player, if that player wants to, to show off their knowledge, make that a part of their character. Sure, the ranger is gonna know all about the weird creatures of, uh, you know, the, 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 yeah. of the forest, and the, the dwarf is gonna know all about the strange things that lurk inside. So if they want to use that knowledge, that's fine, but then you need to incorporate that. The, 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 that player and the DM should work together to incorporate that into the character because that, and as, and if they're working on the same page, that still allows them to challenge things like, well, that's interesting. You know, you know a lot about blink dogs and you've never seen one do this before because that then turns it into a mystery rather than mm, yeah. oh you walked through my encounter last time well now i'm gonna punish you by uh by throwing this thing at you until you all die because if you all die <laughs> yes you've clearly learned your lesson and that's and that like i have yet to really see a game 
where that sort of back and forth happens where it dies down rather than it just keeps on building and building and building until <laughs> either the players stop coming or they, you know, or you get into a shouting match with the player. So as uh, I, ultimately the key here to avoid the concept of metagaming is communication and making sure that everybody knows what is sort of inbounds and out of bounds. One of the one of the things that uh, my role playing group has used, and one of my uh, one of my players, um, and, and just like not me DMing, just uh, in, in our group, was that uh, I like how he mentions it's like, well, I know this, but my character doesn't know this. But how much does my character know? And then sometimes it's going into like you know an arcane check or a nature check or something along those lines to kind of figure that sort of thing out. Um, but some for some people, it's really hard to kind of. Um, separate that knowledge and how, I mean, obviously you don't want to get into the shouting match and you don't want to like, you know, uh, um, ambush them with some stuff. But if you've got a player who is, you know, kind of doing it a lot, is it, is it best to just kind of, again, like you were talking about with communication, best to just kind of talk with them on the side and be like, Hey, I've noticed you've done these things. And how would you go about that? So if it was something, if it was something in one of my games, I think I would, I would, it is okay to to have a side chat because you don't necessarily want to call it out in front of the group because then there's kind of that feeling of like oh I'm being yelled at in front of the class. Yeah. Um. But it's so it's okay to talk to the person and say okay you've been doing this and you know if you want to do that that's great but what what elements can I get out of this like the the vast majority of the of the time players absolutely love to cut deals with the gm about cool stuff like they want to have secrets they want to have special powers and for the most part uh players if if you talk to them about that and then you as a gm go okay what story hooks and story elements do I get out of this special thing? You can come to a, uh, you can come to to a bargain, to a realization of like, okay, if you want to keep uh, metagaming, or if you want to keep you know knowing out all of these monster stats and things like that, what, you know, where did you learn that knowledge, and yeah. why is it going to complicate the game? Because inevitably, that way you can spring things like, oh, well, you know why Steve knows all about um, uh, uh, the, the 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 different chromatic dragons. Turns out his fam his great ancestor made a deal with one. When you have a story element like that, I think that makes it feel good for the players. It also makes sense in the narrative, and it's also something that you as the as the dungeon master can feel like, okay. I gave you a, a a little thing. You gave me a little thing. So so we're 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 kind of on the same page. And and if they don't want to make that deal and they want to continue what doing what they're doing, then you need to consider escalation and figure out like is you know if you're going to keep doing this, and I've asked you not to, that makes me less inclined to invite you to the next game. That's a good call on that. And it's it's never it's never a good time to have those conversations, but if everybody's not having fun, um then it just turns into like a single player video game. Right. 
Thank you so much, Dr. Dice. Again, our Dr. Dice is Rob Whelan. Rob, really appreciate you being a part of all of this. And until next time, man, uh, have fun. Yeah, have fun out there, guys. Ask Dr. Dice is brought to you by the Theater of the Mind Players. Are you looking for a new game? Theater of the Mind Players play all the great RPGs besides D&D. Check out their YouTube channel or wherever you can find their podcasts for the games that they've played and more information. Again, thank you, Rob. I really do appreciate the stuff that you can uh, get answered. Uh, we have a lots of lots of fun, different questions, and if you want to do that as well, again, like I've said before, bjgeeknation at gmail.com. Just put Ask Dr. Dice in the subject headers. Now, let's talk about a movie that uh, I, I feel that we've brought up a couple of times just because it looked weird and looked very interesting and one that I finally was able to go see in the theaters Everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, Wiki calls it an uh, absurdist comedy drama written and directed by Dan Kwan and Danielle Scheinart, uh, collectively known as the Daniels. And it stars Michelle Yeoh, Stephanie Hu, uh, Ki Huai Kwan, Jenny Slate, Harry Shum Jr., James Hong, and Jamie Lee Curtis. And the plot follows a Chinese-American woman being audited by the IRS who discovers she must connect with parallel universe versions of herself to prevent a powerful being from causing the destruction of the multiverse. Now, we did talk about uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness on Friday's podcast, and I felt that this movie did something that the uh, Doctor Strange movie did not do very well, which was actually connect to multi-multiverses. <laughs> I think we only saw like three multi, maybe four multiverses or uh, multiverses in the multiverses. So it didn't really kind of tap into all of that, where this one does it to such an insanely hilarious effect and just shows how well all of these actors are to play versions of themselves as they're going through it, and it's the concept is just really, really, really entertaining. I'm not going to give anything away because I feel that everybody needs to go see this in the theaters just to realize how absolutely ridiculous it is. It's crazy that this movie and Top Gun Maverick might be the two best of the year. People are freaking out about Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, isn't oh, that yeah. insane? And like, not to say that these actors aren't bad because they're incredible actors. Yeah, have Tom Cruise, what Michelle Yang, Yo, Yo, yeah, Yo. Michelle Yo, yeah, I, fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the best. So, and it goes across three parts: everything, everywhere, all at once, or all the three different parts of it. And they break it all down, and it's really good at explaining the rules. And that's one of the things I love, especially when a movie that's really 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 out there they're explaining how these things work and they explain it so well and they adhere to those rules it's like watching a time travel movie and i know joe you hate that sort of thing but if you explain the rules and then abide by them i'm willing to give it a pass that's all you got to do and so this one does it really well about how they're doing it and at the core of it it's a family movie it's a movie about a family who's having to do with extraordinary uh, you know, aspects of their life going into this. I mean, obviously breaking into the multiverse, but the visuals are just so cool. There's a whole plot about a multiverse that has hot dog fingers, which is really strange. And you're like, why is it here? Is it here just for wackiness? But it comes into play. Like everything as it should be is connected. And so at that point it works. It just works so freaking well. 
absolutely love it. 100% go see this in the theater. And it's going to be one that if I don't catch it in the theater again, because I don't know how long it's still going to be out there, I'm going to watch at home multiple times. It's a new favorite. Yay. Now, moving on from that, going away from the actual uh, movies to the trailers, uh, I think I saw this trailer. And, Joe, I think maybe you did as well. Vicky, did you see the Avatar 2 trailer? Yeah. Did it run with, uh, I think it ran with Doctor Strange because I remember yeah. seeing it in 3D. I, <clears throat> I will admit, I still have not seen the first one. Whoa. I've seen bits and pieces, but I well, honestly never cared. Here's the deal. Like, with Avatar, I felt Avatar, and I mean, even to an extent with Avatar 2, like, just looking at it, it feels like it's a, uh, almost like a shill for James Cameron's 3D technology. It absolutely was for the first one, because the the plot in the story was piss poor. It was, it was Dances with Wolves all over again. It's the Adventures of Space Chad, and so, which my friends and I have dubbed when we were uh, a little inebriated watching the show, but it was- Space Chad. Yeah, uh, uh, it really loses a lot when you're just watching it at home. Yeah, it's so odd to me, because if you haven't seen it in 20, or 2009 in IMAX, there's no point. Yeah. Because they, they literally were said, this. I mean, they called the main resource in the movie Unobtainium as a joke because it's not supposed to be about the plot. It's literally yeah. just a visual spectacle. And unobtainium <laughs> is a literary work for something that is a MacGuffin that is not obtainable that everyone's <laughs> trying to get to, that weird resource that everybody needs. So the fact that they used it like that, it's like... Uh, it's kind of like I, I just like it's like that finger on the bridge of the nose. You're like, OK, guys, are we doing this? And I mean, Sigourney Weaver was really great in the movie. Uh, Chad Worthington or what? No, not Chad. Chad. <laughs> Sam, Wor- Chad. Sam Worthington was fine <laughs> in it. Like all of the actors were very good. Stephen Lang as the bad guy. I still really liked him as that. But by and large, like I saw it in the theaters, I think actually maybe I saw it twice and I've seen it once afterwards. And I'm like, yeah, I don't need to do that. That being said, the uh, the technology in the last, what, 13 years or 14 years, I think it comes out in Christmas or something along those lines, uh, it, it is by and large an upgrade from what was already top of the line before. So this is going to be another one that I'm going to go see it in the theaters so I get absolutely blown away by the technology. Exactly. You ha- I mean, you have to see it in 3D. I mean, there's no point to go see this in standard definition because mm-hmm. that's not the point of the movie. You're going to get disappointed like because you're going to go and you're going to think, oh, I'm going to get a plot and a movie. You know, you're, No, that's not what you're going to get. You're going to get... 100% visuals meant to be seen in 3D with those dumb glasses, you know, but wear them. Go to the <laughs> Science Center if you have a chance. That's where I saw the original one. Yes, in uh, Washington State, we've got, in Seattle area, we got the Pacific Science Center, which has one of the original IMAX theaters. They've revamped it. It's back open again after COVID, and I've that's where I saw Avatar, and they've got the extra, extra large screen. Yeah. It's more than what a normal theater would have, so if you have something like that in your area, uh, that's where you're going to want to see it. Now, if you're a kind of person that likes to go to the movies to see story, then just don't go. It's fine. It's not for you. I just don't understand this middle ground where it's like a poo-pooing, where they're like, oh, the movie was the worst movie of all time. And I was like, well, did you read what it was about? You know, that'd be like, you know, going to an Italian restaurant and expecting to get American food or something. You know, there's no burgers. It's like, well, I, the menu says Italian. <laughs> so, yeah. So, by and large, I still am going to go see it. Check out the trailers if you can. It's going to be in a movie that has 3D. So, 
watch a 3D movie. Just do it. Yeah. Or, just do that. Or don't. You know? Or don't, <laughs> yeah. you know. But I feel that the technology has been pushed even further, maybe to its max at this point in time. James Cameron loves to do that. So at that aspect, I'm pretty excited about it. The underwater stuff looks really cool. But I feel that it's going to be all style, no substance. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Now, on another one that I'm excited for, because this franchise has been out for, oof, since 1987, I remember going to see it in the theaters with my stepdad, because much like your dad seeing uh, taking you to go see Starship Troopers, not age appropriate. Nope. This was Predator back in 87. Uh, I actually recently got my wife uh, to watch it as well. It holds up for being an 80s action ridiculous movie. Okay. So as long as you're fine with that, you're fine. And Predator has had many different iterations, especially in the recent years with Predator, Predators, uh, a whole bunch of different ones that have come AVP. out. And now they're doing a prequel called Prey. Mm. And there's not a whole lot of details about this. The thing that has come out right now has been a tre- teaser trailer that's like, what, 47 seconds long? And it really only focuses on... Two women Native American hunters who are hunting, and then all of a sudden you see the three red dots of the predator targeting system on the forehead of one, and essentially what everyone is figuring, since it's shrouded in secret per uh, director Dan Trackenberg's wishes... We're only getting that it's going to be natives versus the first time a predator lands on Earth. Hmm. That's all we've got about it so far. I'm I'm excited for it because having recently watched the original, it kind of got me back into that vibe. I got to say, I like the predator's odds. (laughs) You know what? And that's the thing I'm really excited about because when you go into just thinking about um, like war – and the fact that, like, even looking back at, like, the U.S. Revolutionary War, it was on our land. And so, well, you know, you know, the American land as opposed to England. And so what it was, it was that familiarity with your uh, with your surroundings. So you could use guerrilla tactics to really kind of push an advantage that you normally wouldn't have when you don't have the, the better technology. And it looks like this is going to be a Hulu exclusive uh, not nice. to be confused with Netflix. Netflix also has another movie that came out last year called Prey. Um, that's a thriller movie, but it's not the same thing. Okay, good. So that's perfect. So yeah, so as of right now, like you said, no plans in the theaters. It'll be on Hulu, which makes it better because like, uh, if it's bad, I can just pause it or I can stop it and go home or at least I can pause it, go look up and see what people are saying about it, go to the bathroom, get some food, order or Uber Eats or something like that. Uh, still very excited for that, but thank you for that, Vicky. That oh. was really actually pretty helpful. And a quick uh, little thing. as the, At the moment of this recording, we did talk about Top Gun Maverick, it is at 97%. On Are the you tomato serious? Meter. Oh, yeah. It, it's like movie of the year from everyone I've heard. That seems it's so strange my mind. to me. I've never seen the first Top Gun. See, A, I feel you're going to have to. Oh, yeah. But B, that's one of the things now I'm thinking because I was just talking about how Predator was like it still kind of holds up for once you know, you know, if you like encapsulate in your mind the fact that this is from the 80s, it's an action movie. The same thing with Top Gun. It's a movie from the 80s. It's really about like masculinity and fighter jets. So once you get through that and then then what you can see what happens 
you know, 20, 30 years later with that. Oh, my God, that's a long time. It's over 30 years. Uh, so, yeah, you can kind of see where that goes with that. That's kind of exciting. I got point. sold on it because someone told me it's just Mission Impossible in the sky. And no! I was like, damn it. I love Tom Cruise Mission Impossible movies. You got me. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I'm pretty much in on that. Let us know how you feel about that as well because, I mean, yeah, we're all movie geeks when it comes down to it. Yep. But now it is time for The Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, what do you got for us? So <clears throat> BuzzFeed came out with a list of movies that might have the absolute best plot twist of all time. So I'm going to say right now, I'm not going to read all of them. I'm only going to read the nerdy ones. But spoiler alert, spoiler oh, alert, yeah. spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. So if you haven't seen, I mean, uh, as uh, Straw Hat Goofy says, drop a like and come back later. Right. So I will say the name of the movie and give you a few seconds. Nice. So you can s- slip away. Look at you being all thoughtful and stuff. All right. In Star Wars. Mm-hmm. The Empire Strikes Back. Okay, yeah, that one's easy, I think, at this point. I mean, if you've seen Star Wars, but all, all, it's got to be when Darth Vader reveals that he is Luke's father. Yes, and it is also one of the most misquoted movie quotes of all time. Yeah, he doesn't say, Luke, Luke I, am I am your, your father. father. He doesn't say that. He says, Luke, I am your daddy. Oh. He doesn't know. I am your daddy. <laughs> I am your big daddy. <laughs> Search inside of yourself and know it is true. I am your father. They call me Doc Daddy. <laughs> And actually, the funny part about that is Darth Vader is Dark Father in German. Mm -hmm. So it was like absolutely (laughs) spoiled for anybody who knew German. It's like, why is his name that? Wait. Uh, I mean, uh, dark side, father figure. Unless you just think like daddy or father, like I'm the, you know, I'm the one who rules all of this. I'm your patriarch. (laughs) Who is your daddy? And what does he do? Oh. And it's not a tumor. <laughs> All right. You guys see Shutter Island. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's with yes. Leonardo DiCaprio. Yes. And I totally didn't realize that Mark Ruffalo was in this as well. Oh, I didn't. I forgot about that. Yeah. I'm looking at a picture. But spoiler alert, uh, it is revealed that Teddy, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, he thought he was, you know, the, the one in charge of everything. No, he was actually... A murderer and a patient, a psychiatric patient. Yeah, he was, was all a, in his head. He was all trying to figure out. He just magically ends <laughs> up in this uh, asylum investigating a murder. Turns out that he was actually a patient. Dun, dun, dun. Wow. Yeah. All right. So the movie Gone Girl. Oh, that's the one with Ben Affleck, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Roseman Pike, I believe, is her name. Okay, yeah. See, Joe, have you seen that one? I don't think so. I haven't seen it, but I think I might have read this list before, too, because I know I know the spoiler on it, but go ahead. Do you care, Joe? No, 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 no. So in Gone Girl, like, basically the whole movie is that this woman gone missing, like she was murdered, and everyone believes it was her husband, Nick. Um, but you, it is then revealed that she actually planned her entire disappearance and frame, wanted to frame her husband for murder. How dare she? But yeah. like, I, see, I hear so many references and I've seen like so many clips of it. Like I kind of actually want to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know it's uh, spoiled, but I hear it's really well done. Yeah. And that's one of those things too. It's, I've kind of eased my anger at spoilers, especially mm-hmm. for a movie that's been out for a while too, but just in the age of the internet, it's hard to keep. Uh, like uh, anything in the dark mm-hmm. at this point in time. And so I've been kind of like, yeah, if I understand that, if I hear what the big spoiler is, all right, fine. I'm not necessarily going to be happy about it, but also I'm just going to accept it and then just try just to enjoy the movie for what it is right. at the time as I'm watching it. All right. Have you guys, act- I know everyone references this because it is such an old movie, but have you guys actually seen the movie Psycho? Yeah. Yes. 
Oh, yeah, we the original, the original oh, one, yes. I did not watch the Vince Vaughn oh, remake yeah. because people pooped on it so bad. I kind of want to see it just because it's Vince Vaughn. Maybe, yeah. It's like a back-to-back kind of like if I ever wanted to do something along the lines of like a compare and contrast. <laughs> but I just, whenever I see Vince Vaughn, I see like Wedding Crashers or like Swingers, and I don't see him as a Norman Bates, have so you, I don't accept it. Have you ever seen any movie where he's done the serious role? Like he was one, like, I think it was called like Cell Block 66, something like that. Where he played like an inmate and he's supposed to be kind of like Punisher-esque badass? Uh, no, but I remember Mark Ronner talking about that on Special Ops back in the day and saying that it was not a great movie, but it was like his roles and all that stuff his and just doing that the performance was really good. See, that's why I want to see it. Like it's the Robin Williams thing like where he is a phenomenal Dude, actor. He's yes. so funny, but he can kill it if he's serious roles. So I... Anytime I see a comedic actor do something like that, I'm always very interested. You mean like when he was West Mantooth, pulled like, his switchblade out and tried to stab Ron Burgundy? Oh, okay. Oh I'm like, what are you God. talking about? I'm like, all right, fine. Like, Wait a minute. <laughs> Into my catalog of dumb movie references. Very, very serious role right there. <laughs> I love it. Newscaster slash gangster. Well, but what in, is it? In, yeah. in the movie Psycho, spoiler alert, if you never saw the OG one, but... Also, it's been a very long time. Okay, yeah, right. Um, it was the big twist that Norman actually killed Marion very early on in the film. Yes. And I mean, everyone thinks about the twist of the fact that it was Norman was his mother and like yes. that sort of thing. But the big twist on that is along the same lines as what you saw in Scream, mm-hmm. which was that Drew Barrymore was on the poster, top billing. And, and she was huge at the time. Absolutely. And then she got gacked in like the first like, in the first opening scene before they even rolled the uh, title credit. And so it's that sort of like. Wow, this happened hella early, and it's like the, along the same lines. Like, Scream really cribbed from Psycho with that aspect. Uh, did you guys see The Uninvited? I don't know this one, but it looks interesting because uh, the actors in these look pretty awesome. Like, it's uh, I'm blinking on her name, but the gal who was in American Gods, the the wife. Oh, who gosh. played Laura? Yeah, no, I haven't seen The Uninvited. Does anybody care if I spoil it? No, it's been out for a while. So apparently the ending is uh, Anna realized that Alex died in the fire and she had killed Rachel. So she didn't know that Alex had died and that she had, in fact, killed Rachel. When she looks down, she sees the bloody knife in her hand. Oh, and yeah, it was Emily Browning That's is the yeah the person from American Gods. And she was good in that. I might be interested in watching this, too. Very interesting. I already spoiled it, but whatevs. <laughs> I know. I'll be fine. Spoiler. Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, that, homecoming. That there was no Uncle Ben. No. I still say that Uncle Ben is going to be uh, Joe Pesci. Yes. I still, I still have, I'm still holding out hope that no, we're going to see No, that's Uncle Vinny. No, I want to see... My that's Uncle co- Vinny. That's Cousin Vinny, mind you. Don't smear his name. No, I'm just kidding. No, I, I'm still hope, holding out hope that there's like a little picture somewhere locked Aww. away. Because they have made reference to him, not completely directly, but whether it was his suitcase initials or yeah. vaguely referenced him. But the big reveal was... Obviously, he's been fighting the vulture this whole time. He knows who the vulture is. And then he's going to go take out this girl he likes, you know, to homecoming. And then, hi, look, the vulture is my uh, love interest dad. That Mm. was kind of amazing just when they look at each other when the door opens. And it's just like. Because he didn't know yet. Uh, The vulture uh, didn't know that that was Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, But your heart sinks because you didn't. I, I. I'm pretty good at catching, like, oh, I know what they're going with it. I know what they're doing. But I was blown away and totally caught off guard for that one. 
<laughs> All right, Saw is a movie that I have never seen and do not plan to ever see. Oh, it's not that bad. I think you'd be fine with it. Just bring your stuff. You'd be all good. Yeah, fine. <laughs> no, the but bi- yeah. everyone knows the big one, I feel, yeah. at this point. Yeah, the big one is, is that Jigsaw's in there as the corpse laying there, watching everything go down between the two actors. It's a really good, almost single scene movie, other than the fact that they have to kind of cut back and forth so they get the sort of pro- mm-hmm. proce- uh, the police procedural as you're going along with it. Mm-hmm. But it's super intense it i mean spawned a film franchise that has like i don't know 800 movies at this point in time i'm like i think they're competing with sharknado <laughs> yeah yeah and then the quality has uh, been deteriorating as you go mm, along there with that not wrong yeah uh for number 10 i'm just gonna say what's in the box yeah uh, in, dun, dun, dun. in seven when it turned out that david's wife's head was in the box and david was meant to fulfill the seventh sin yes which was wrath Ah, uh, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, fun fact. I think I've mentioned this before, but I love pointing it out. Um, so they had actually created a Gwyneth Paltrow head for that, for the box, but they never ended up showing it in the movie. Mm-hmm. So it was never used, but it yeah. was still somewhere in some sort of prop department closet. And then the movie Contagion came out, which, I mean, it, I remember watching it and feeling a little bummed out. I would not recommend watching it now. Oh, gosh, no, no. If you haven't liked the last couple of years, you will definitely it, not like Contagion. It, it hits a little too close to home. It's a really well-done movie. It has a lot of great actors in it. But it does start off with Gwyneth Paltrow going to a different country and contracting some sort of disease. Uh, and then she's, like, the first one to die. And then, you know, all that. Contagion. Guess it. Get it? Mm-hmm. Um, but they ended up using her head for an autopsy. <laughs> so they used the head from Seven in Contagion. That's gruesome. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And I was just like, oh, my God, that looks just like her. Hey, look at that. The Hollywood like, Studios are rethinking, reusing, and recycling. recycling. <laughs> uh, I'll post this list on our Facebook page so you can check out all of them. And until next time, guys, stay nerdy.